be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey, hello folks. Welcome back to Me and Steve Play RPGs. Play what? We don't play games around here. Well, yes we do. We play games all the time. Now, this is a a little bit of a special episode, and uh, as you've probably noticed, because it's not dropping on the normal day, but what this is, it's the kind of the session zero for an AP, little one-shot AP that we recorded with GM Chris from The Forge. If you all remember when we had him on to talk about the narrative dice, he offered to come on and run a game for us in the Genesis system. So we finally got around to recording that. Well, yeah, let's just be honest here. If you're on our Discord and you've seen me posting about Genesis and, like, being excited about Genesis, (laughs) this is why. (laughs) It's so cool of GM Chris to come on and and offer to GM like that and run a really cool setting. Yeah, yeah, it it really was. It was a lot of fun. And it was, you know, for both of us, it was our, our first experience with the Genesis RPG and the narrative dice. And I do have to say... There's a little bit of a learning curve, you know, even as much as, as I'd absorbed as far as understanding kind of mechanically how it worked, it, it really does kind of require like a different mindset of approach to it, really. And it, it took a while, at least for me, to kind of get my head around that. Yeah, it's a different kind of system. It really is. It's narrative dice is absolutely the right way to put it. And getting your head around the idea of... A, so in other systems, it's it, and I don't want to get into this too much, but in other systems, it's very much you do the thing that's listed. You don't ask for, what can I do? Yeah. And Genesis is very much like, well, what do you think you would do? Yeah. It, it Like you, you think about it kind of backwards. It's almost like you figure out what you want to do and then you figure out what or even if you need to roll. Well, yeah, it, it's it's almost like, and, and this is the thing that popped into my head, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's almost like doing something and then asking for forgiveness later. In a way, I can see that. But I don't want to give away any spoilers for our, for what happens in this campaign, but let's just say this first bit that you're hearing right now, this is just a little intro from us talking about playing the game. You're going to hear GM Chris talk about how the game's played and and giving us basically a session zero, which for a one shot, you know? Yeah. Well, he goes through and he explains it. You know, I mean, this is a system he's run a lot. You know, he's actually a credited play tester in the core book. So he's been in from the ground floor. But this is, so to speak, the way he would introduce this game to a brand new bunch of people at a convention. So we figured we'd put this out here, but kind of put it as a little bit of a separate thing if... If you're someone who's already played Genesis, you could skip it if you want. But we thought it was worth putting out there for people to hear if you're like us and haven't played this before. Yeah, and, you know, if you haven't played Genesis, let me put a few things into context. It's not a crunchy system, even though it can sound crunchy. And if you look for heavily crunchy games, it's not going to do that for you. But it is a very, very smooth system. So if you haven't played Genesis and you're not the biggest fan of crunchy games... Maybe look into getting a Genesis game in. And if you're listening to this, 
maybe come join our Discord because there's a lot of games getting converted to Genesis. I used the equation, so if you're a car guy, you know there's a there's a joke sort of going around that you can LS swap anything. Well, it's sort of the same in the RPG systems. You can almost Genesis swap anything. <laughs> well, but that's kind of, I think, the, the core tenet of the design. You know, the name Genesis actually is a contraction of generic system. That's how they got the name. But they've published, Edge Studios, formerly FFG, has published, I think, three setting books? Because you've got Terranoth, Beanstalk, and the Keyforge book. Right. So they've published those, but this whole system is designed to kind of like be able to take it apart and put it back together to do whatever you want it to do. One of my favorite things about Genesis is that the system's run by the fans, meaning that the content for the system is put out there on the forge and fans of the system are what's making what's making settings and stories and one shots and all kinds of fun stuff coming out for Genesis is because the fans are doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. The foundry. Yeah. No, that is a really cool thing too. Now. Yeah. If you want to count foundry settings, there's a bunch out there. Oh yeah. No, I'm not counting settings. I'm just saying that in general, I think it's really awesome that there's not a lot of systems out there, even in generic systems that are, run like this, you know, or that are this supported by the fan base and the community. Yeah. In, in this way, I should, I think is a, is a good way to say it. I think, you know, yeah, it's, it's not got the biggest fan base, but I think it's fan base is extremely loyal from what I've seen. Oh, very loyal. And GM Chris alone makes up for 40%. <laughs> oh, Chris. And that's the other thing, folks, if, if you've not ever had a chance to listen to, to Chris, he's a wonderful person. Full of energy, full of enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a blast to play with. He really is. It, he makes me excited to play RPGs, which is, I mean, I'm already excited to play RPGs, but anytime I talk to GM Chris, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he really is. He's great. We got joined by a couple of people off our Discord for this, so you'll hear myself and Steve, along with Jesse and Eric, who are... Like I said, who are members of our Discord that we roped into doing this with us. Now, they both had played Star Wars a little Star bit. Wars. And I think Eric said he'd played a session or two of Genesis. But we were all still pretty fresh to Genesis itself, although the, the same dice are used for the Fantasy Flight Star Wars. Yeah, and with that, I think we're going to go ahead and let GM Chris take it away. So let's talk about this system. The first thing I want to talk about are the dice. Now, we're using a virtual tabletop, so you're not really rolling the dice. But what you have are a set of custom dice. That's usually one of the biggest sticking points for people playing this system. They either tend to be intrigued by it or they tend to be grumbly about it. But the custom dice are somewhat essential because they represent kind of the uniqueness of this system. There are six polyhedrals in Genesis. There's a D12, a D8, and a D4, and they both exist in different colors. You have your positive dice, which are your yellow, your green, and your blue, your happy dice. And then you have the negative dice, which represent the difficulties you're trying to overcome. And that's your your red, your, your purple, and your black. And as I'm going through this, guys, and we talk about a few things, please feel free to interrupt me with, with any questions you might have. And I'm not going to go any, with anything really comprehensive. A lot of this I know we can handle during play. But also on the, the second page of your character sheet towards the top, I've got a little legend for you for your own reference that also talks a lot about these symbols that are on the dice, these funny symbols. And, you know, and honestly, I, Jesse, have you played before? I've run FFG Star Wars for about a year. Oh, phenomenal. And Eric, you've got Star Wars experience as well, correct? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been playing it for a few years now. Okay, and Steve's, we've had this conversation. So you guys all understand the cancellation mechanic. For those of you who are familiar with Star Wars, it's the exact same thing. You've got success and failure, advantage, threat, these two different axes that work together. But it's just because the symbols on the Star Wars dice are copyrighted to Lucasfilm. Genesis has different symbols. (laughs) (laughs) With less lightsabers. With less lightsabers, yes. One minor question here, and and this is going back to the conversation. We had a triumph counts as a success, but the success yes. part of it can be canceled by a failure, correct? Yeah. So think of think of it like this: if I rolled three successes and a triumph, like symbols, right. that's four successes towards the total. If I roll four failure symbols, that's canceled out. I have failed the check. But the special benefit of the triumph is still going to happen. Okay. okay? That's that's. And does it work the same way, but inverse with despair? Exactly. And that's why, like, because advantage and threat cancel each other out, you're always either going to have advantage or threat, or if they, if it's a full cancellation, nothing. It's going to be one or the other. You can never have both. But when it comes to triumph and despair, you can actually have both of them on your check result. And those make for some of the most interesting situations at the table. Okay, so getting into a few other things that's going to be kind of old hat for, for Jesse and Eric, but for Steve and Steve, just, just kind of as a reminder. When you understand the dice and the cancellation, the next thing you really need to understand are the story points, which are the little, the little circular icons up top. I love how they do it in RPGs sessions too because when i first started playing the system it was with the beta we didn't even have official dice yet okay we like we had to make them with stickers it was it was crazy and so we we didn't have destiny points in star wars either so i pulled out my old set of othello and i used these othello tokens you know that are black on one side and white on the other to represent my destiny points which are story points in this system and i still use them because i love the tactile feel i love seeing those othello token style things but story points are your resource to be awesome we start every session with one player story point for each player and one gm story point for the gm a lot of you guys have special abilities that are powered by story points and and that's great but more importantly, story points have a couple more concrete and common in-game functions. The first is that you can spend a player story point to upgrade a check you are about to make. And I, I want to talk about what that word means, upgrade. Upgrade means turn a green into a yellow. That's upgrading your check. There are sometimes, if, as a GM, if I upgrade your difficulty, I'll be turning a purple into a red. Okay? But Chris, what happens if you have all yellows? Well, then if you upgrade, you add an extra green die. You don't say. I don't say. I did say. I don't say. I did. Don't. That, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, with me so far? Yep. Yes. Yes. All right. The other cool thing story points can be used to do is you can make minor narrative and declarative statements with them. So to use Star Wars as an example, it's like, oh, you guys have landed on the planet. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's got a toxic atmosphere. Uh, you can't breathe it. Well, gee, GM, it's a good thing we decided to buy rebreathers and we were in port last flip a story point, right? It's one of those things that the GM approves it, but you can you can make you know interesting things happen. Like, oh my god, we're locked in the room. Oh my gosh, there's a computer terminal in here. Look, flip a story point, right? Yep. You you can make these minor declarative statements with GM approval, which is is a lot of fun and very powerful. I can spend story points to do the exact same things you guys can do, although I don't really need to use them to make declarative statements, unless it's completely outlandish and I just feel like screwing with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but as as you've noticed when you've played around with them, if you spend a story point, it becomes mine. If I spend one of my story points, it becomes yours. So it's literally a sliding resource economy to be awesome. Okay? 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Also, not only can you spend a story point to upgrade your check, you may also spend a story point to upgrade the difficulty of another check being made, like one of mine, mm-hmm. as long as it's targeting. Yes. So there we go. The only other thing you need to know about story points, and this is extremely important, you can only spend one per round in Genesis, each of you. Collectively, you could spend four in a round, <laughs> but you can only spend one yourself which means that you may need to have to make some difficult decisions. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's take a look at your character sheets. We're going to start with the, the very basics on your character sheet and the little card that has your name and picture on it. You've got some core stats, and, and there are six characteristics. Brawn, agility, intellect, cunning, willpower, and presence, which in Genesis can range from one to five. Five being, like, the best naturally. I don't know if it needs too much explanation. You guys are all seasoned players, and a couple of you are very familiar with the system at its core. Any questions or confusion around what those six characteristic scores stand for? No, sir. Okay. From there, we have your skill list, which is on the left-hand side of your character sheet. And these are all the skills that apply to this particular game, this particular session that we're about to run. You've got general skills, social skills, knowledge skills, in our case, psionics skills, replacing magic, and combat. A lot of these skills are very self-explanatory in terms of what they are and what they do. Does anyone have any question about any of them in terms of what they do? We'll, we'll talk about psionics specifically in a moment. But do any of you have any questions about what these things do? And I mean, and even if you, I mean, we'll handle it in play also if you if you're not worried. Parapsychology. Yeah. Tell me something about it. I I will tell you exactly. Uh, give me a moment. Parapsychology. <clears throat> in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read you what I've written for parapsychology. In settings with psionics, these mysterious powers are continually being researched and experimented with. The parapsychology skill represents the academic, scientific, historical, research, and experimental knowledge of psionic capabilities and limitations. The parapsychology skill is about knowing things about psychic and psionic ability, but not actually practicing it. Oh, so it's uh, the like difference between knowledge arcana and then actually like throwing a spell. You got it. And that's that's a really good way to think about it. For you, so a, a term you guys might be familiar with. It's basically knowledge arcana, but for psychic stuff. Fair enough. So if we encountered like a brain mole, that would be the skill I'd I'd roll to identify it. Precisely. Okay. So any other questions about skills? We're good there. Good, good to there. go. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. Next up to talk about on your character sheet will be going back up to the little card that has your core stats on it you guys have Soak. For most of you, this is going to be your brawn plus something else based on the armor you're wearing, the protective gear you're wearing, with the exception of Roman, whose protective gear does not give him Soak. It gives a boost. It gives him a defense boost, but we'll talk about that. Soak is basically, to use D&D parlance, it's DR. It's damage reduction. And and as you, as you look at some of the damage of your weapon, like I've got Roman's character sheet up right now, his revolver does nine base damage. If Roman were to make a, a combat check with his Ruger Blackhawk, and he succeeded with three net successes. Those three successes get added to the base damage on your sheet for your weapon. So that means he would deal 10 damage with that hit. Now, consider that and consider your wound threshold. (laughs) (laughs) Any damage you take, your soak subtracts from it first. So in, in, in Roman's case, he's got a soak of two. If he were to shoot himself with that kind of roll, dealing 10 damage, he would only suffer eight, okay? In, in this system, unlike Dungeons & Dragons, you also count up. You guys currently have zero wounds and zero strain, and you suffer wounds and strain, and you start counting up. When you exceed either threshold, you drop. 
if it happens to be your wound threshold, you also suffer a critical injury. Wound threshold is very self-explanatory. It's physical harm. Your strain threshold is your strain. It's 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 not only mental but but spiritual and 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 just energy overall. It's 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 exhaustion, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can never die from strain damage. You can also uh, never receive a critical injury from strain damage. Lastly, we have the defense ranged in melee. For all of you, it should be zero, except Roman has a concealed ballistic vest that gives him plus one ranged defense. We'll talk about this in a moment when we talk about combat, but Roman, if someone were to attack you with a ranged weapon, they would be forced to add one black setback die to their roll because you have a ranged defensive one. Yes. Um, a few other things. Some of you have painkillers and extra reloads. Extra reloads are just what they sound like. They're generic reloads for whatever weapon you might have to ha- might happen to have. And painkillers are interesting. Taking a painkiller, which takes a maneuver to do, immediately heals you five wounds. The second painkiller you take in the same day heals you four wounds. The third painkiller you take heals you three wounds, and so on and so forth, until you've taken five painkillers, which maxes you out. At that point, your body is just so flooded with chemicals that it's not going to have any other impact. But that's how painkillers operate. So think of it like a... It's a stim pack. It's, it's a, a Star Wars version. It's a stim pack. Yeah. Uh, for for D and D, it's a health potion with diminishing returns. With diminish with with highly diminishing returns. Yes. You were talking about the pistols there. I don't see anything indicating magazine size or anything. That's because there is none. Aha. As we'll talk about, Genesis is a highly narrative system. You know, compared to other systems where everything is extremely discreet, Genesis is often what's called a cinematic system. Heroes in movies don't count bullets unless it matters. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we really don't do that here either. You don't run out of ammunition until you run out of ammunition. And this is what I can do with fun things like threat and despair that you roll on your check. Uh All right. Okay. So Roman actually has a Ruger Blackhawk 44 revolver, which has an insane amount of damage and stopping power and capability for a pistol, as the Blackhawk 44 does for anyone who's ever fired one. But it is a revolver. Thus, it also has a special quality that the rules typically dictate that the GM would have to spend three threat or despair to make one of you guys run out of ammunition. With that revolver, I can pop only two threat and make Roman's gun run out of ammo. Ah, yep. High risk, high reward. High risk, high reward. Now, on the back of your character sheet, you have a couple things. Uh, You have your archetype and special abilities, which is a a special ability given to you by your archetype. If this were a different setting uh, where you're all obviously humans or, I guess, parahumans in this setting, Mm -hmm. you know, but but your archetype, you know, in something like Star Wars, that would be your species. Okay, but here it's just sort of the type of person you are. And that type of person you are, that archetype gives you a special ability. That's typically a once per session thing that you spend a story point to activate. You also have a series of talents. If your talents give you passive benefits like grit or toughened, I have already worked that into your character sheet. I've I've put it here for completeness. But do you guys have any questions about your talents, your special ability? I have one. Yeah. How do you pronounce the name of the company? The 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 company. Like the agency started this all. No, the one that started it all. Oh, oh, the drug. The drug is called Involiast. Envoliast. Okay. But every but everybody everybody just calls it Envo. Roman is actually an Envo boomer. That's his archetype, meaning he's he's one of the originals. So if you want to refer to it, you can refer to it as Envo. I'll certainly be doing so in the game. Okay. I just didn't want to mispronounce it. Yeah. Any questions about your capabilities, your talents, anything? I just want to get the core rules out of the way. No questions here. So 
Okay. Also on the back of your character sheets, I've got kind of a basic rules reference. Um, and for those of you who've played Star Wars, you, you, you're, you're obviously very familiar with this. The only things new to you are going to be the attempting a psionic power. And, and then there's a couple new maneuvers that are, are kind of unique to, to, to this particular setting. But on your turn, you can take one action, one maneuver. You can also suffer two strain to take a second maneuver. So that's one action and two maneuvers that you could take potentially in a, in an, a structured encounter turn. But you cannot take more than two maneuvers per turn, period, no matter what. So you can't aim 15 times? No. <laughs> you could aim twice. That's correct. As far as combat goes in this system, I think we'll tackle it as we come to it, guys. Um, it, it's pretty intuitive. You know, and, and as we play this, whether it's whether it's a combat check or a skill check or anything you want to do, just tell me what you want to do, and I'll, I'll tell you how, how it's done, okay? Okay. You know, initiative is very unique in the system as well, but we'll get to that when we get to it in play as well as crits. The last thing I really wanted to discuss with you is psionics. Okay, now um, I was kind of talking about this briefly before, but these psionics rules that we're going to use in this game tonight are not published. These are mine. They will be published on the Foundry uh, by me. <laughs> this is some pretty deep beta testing in, in essence we're doing right now, guys. But I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, these rules are baked. I did I did a few months of alpha testing last year um, and I've had several other beta sessions with these rules as well. And I'm very confident they are public. They are publishable ready. Okay. But they're a reskin of magic when you get down to it. So so how this works here is how magic would also work, you know, publisher published rules in Genesis. So so it, it's it's pretty much the same the same rules. And for you Star Wars players that are in this group, it is actually quite different from how the force works in Star Wars. It is something new and very different. Okay. So if you if you've not played Genesis before, this is gonna be this is gonna be the the unusual thing. So, okay, we've all played Dungeons and Dragons for the most part, so I'll refer to it. In Dungeons and Dragons, this is a game with magic, and that's really all Psionics is, and this is, it's magic. If I want to do something with magic, it's called a spell. And you've got, how many, how many spells are in the player handbook? Many. Like, <laughs> what? more than yeah. eight? Yeah, like more than eight. Um, I mean, I think there's like, like, like 200, something like that. And, and it's always been that way. It, you know, every spell is ridiculously discreet. All right. It has very specific specific circumstances and very specific effects. This system takes the opposite approach. It makes everything broad and allows you to customize it. So there are six psionic powers, six spells, for lack of a better term. That's it. That's all there are. They each have basic effects. But as you start to get more custom with it and start it to want it to do more and add more to it, it just means that the difficulty to pull it off gets harder and harder and harder and harder. There's no spell slots in this system. You guys can fire off your spells, your psionic powers, as often as you wish. Every single round. Doesn't matter. However, unlike spells, these have a chance of failure because you are actually it's an actual skill check to pull it off. And whether you succeed or whether you fail, the attempt will cost you two strain. A, a few years ago, we we had we had Harry Potter as our theme for Gamer Nation Con, and I I ran a, a session of it, and we had you know heavy heavy magic use obviously, and players are not often prepared for this when you give them the access to this, and we had players dropping like like I had I had four out of six players that dropped themselves in the first encounter. Ouch. Is that where uh, is that where Ross from Dice Brains got it? it? Was from you? No, actually, Ross came up with his own thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they did a great job. They really did. I enjoyed that one. 
Yeah, um, my Harry Potter setting is actually uh, free for download at d20radio.com uh, in the backer zone section. Ooh, yay. You all can take a look at it if you're interested. So not only is is psionic or magic's, uh, magic very different, it's also very dangerous. Bad things happen to you in a combat roll if you roll threat or despair. When it comes to magic or psionics in this case, those bad effects are doubled, okay? In combat, if you roll a threat... I might say, oh man, you you exerted yourself, suffer a strain. If you roll a threat on a psionics check, it's, okay, you suffered two strain. Or you suffered a wound, okay? That's how much worse it can get, all right? So it's very tempting to be, you know, ah, psionic, 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 but you got to realize it costs you strain. And you guys are very effective secret agents, even if you don't have these powers. you got a lot of cool abilities and skill checks, so don't leave those by the wayside, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Additionally, continuing our magic slash psionics discussion, I wanted to talk to you a bit about narrative versus structured here, which is another big difference between Dungeons & Dragons and this system. The reference sheet I gave you is how you use these powers in a structured encounter. If we get into an actual combat or a social encounter or something like that, a structured encounter where there's rounds and initiative being measured, that is how you use the powers. But these powers have much broader narrative uses outside of combat, and I thought we might talk about that. There are three psionic skills that characters in, in this have access to. There, there's kinetics, prescience, and telepathy. Kinetics is obviously moving things with your mind. It's telekinesis. Prescience is extrasensory perception, uh, whether that be something like remote viewing or whether that be actual visions of the future. And telepathy is telepathy. It's it's literally reading or pushing thoughts into someone else's mind. All of you only have ranks in one particular psionic skill, which means it's the only one you can use, uh, with the exception of Roman, who has a couple skills that he's got ranks in. Mm -hmm. But there's different powers. There's defend, which is just what it sounds like. Narratively, outside of an encounter, defend powers, they're designed to reduce damage, whether it's to yourself or your allies. You know, uh, and that can be accessed with prescience or kinetics. You know, maybe with kinetics, you're, you're literally moving something dangerous out of the way for protection. With prescience, you're seeing danger before it happens and reacting a split second sooner. Okay. We have foresight, which is literally the ability to gain flashes or visions of the future. So, Kat, and, and by the way, guys, would it be okay if I, because I'm still learning everyone's voices, is it okay if I refer to you as your character's name as we play? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure thing. I have no problem with that. Wonderful. So, Cat, your character obviously has prescience as, as your skill. That's that's your whole thing. It's extrasensory perception. Yep, I'm a psychic. Precisely. You you literally have the ability with foresight to get visions of the future. And outside of structured encounters, I, I, I mean, if if you want to see years into the future, okay, we can try that. You just have to know that the farther you go, the harder it gets to the point of being ridiculously hard. All right. And then additionally, the, the further you go, the less accurate it's going to be. The more subject it is to not only interpretation, but also change. So tomorrow's Powerball numbers. Um, you know, potentially. We'd, have, we, we, we'd work on the difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> um, additionally, foresight is very limited to you. Okay. And it, it can be it can be very, very weird from a narrative perspective. All right. 
you know, visions of yourself, people, you know, uh, maybe distant locations that you personally are familiar with or have visited. Those are all, those are all feasible. But if we're talking about really unusual stuff, I am also well within my right to make it incredibly non-descriptive or vague as is often the case with future vision. And I may even limit those uh, visions to force you to manifest them in a highly ambiguous medium. You know, like you meditate and you, you get your vision and you end up writing a sonnet that explains what you saw, or you make a picture with, you know, finger paints, or you create a sculpture, right? Which could all be interpreted in multiple ways. Dig it. Okay. Next, we have influence, which applies to a couple characters. This is telepathic intrusion, often called pushing. This is the ability to influence someone else's mind. There, there is a, a very important distinction between influence and reading. The, the influence power is not used to read minds. Telepathy sure can be, but you would activate the reading power in that sense. Influence is about pushing. Reading is about pulling. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And on that note, we have reading. Reading uh, can be done with telepathy or presence. It, it is about extrasensory perception, focused on a target, an object, or a situation. If you're doing it with prescience... It's literally using, it's, it's, it's basically remote viewing to a degree out, out of encounter. With telepathy, it's a little, it, you can also do it, but it's very much limited to the mental activities of people. What are they seeing? What are they feeling, right? That leads us to manipulate, which is kinetics, which is literally the ability to move something with your mind. Can you attack someone with manipulate? No, that would be the strike power, which is our last power, and kinetics can be used that. But if you want to move something, that's not going to result in damage. That is the pure domain of manipulate. Um, and as you continue to add to your manipulate power, you can move some really big stuff and do some really interesting things or people for that matter. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we have strike, which is the attack power, which can be done with kinetics or telepathy. Now, all of these powers in narrative encounters, I just want you to understand their narrative use. But when it comes to the structured use of these in, in encounters, in the little sheet I gave you, they all have a core effect that is on the left-hand side of the sheet for each power with the difficulty and the core effect. But you get to add things to it if you wish, which is kind of this little menu that's on the uh, just to the right of the core power. And every, everything you add just increases the difficulty by the listed amount, but gives you that extra benefit, all right? To carry the example through magic, like in, in core rules, there's an attack spell. Uh, and you go, oh, I, I attack, all right? And, and it's, it's like an easy difficulty. But you have to attack somebody who is precisely at short range, not engaged with you, but precisely at short range and no farther. And it does middling damage. If I were to add the fire quality to it and the blast quality to it, well, the difficulty is now up to three purple total, but I've got myself a genuine fireball at that point. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and that's kind of how it's designed to work. And so those little character cards kind of have pre-designed recipes that your pre-made characters would like to typically use. Sounds good. Okay, so I've been talking, talking, talking about all this, trying to get through it. Questions about psionics slash magic in this system. Uh, hopefully all the stuff I've gave you, given you is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, easy to understand. Everything looks straightforward, yeah. Makes sense with what I see written. That is my education for the system, guys, as best as I can do it. Any other questions about the game? And we'll get to stuff in play. It's okay. But any other questions you might have about your capabilities, your characters, from a mechanical standpoint, the rules of the game, psionics, anything of that nature? Um, I was going to say, minorly, like, 
obviously, I, I know they're like the equivalent of utility spells. And, and with Emmy being uh, kinetic, like, let's just say he wants to knock a pencil off a table, a non-structured encounter, we'll say. Is that going to require strain and rolling, etc.? Or if it's something kind of minor like that, are we just kind of, it happens? So utility spells are something that's present in the Genesis Core rulebook. You'll notice there is no utility psionic power. When you get into how psychic powers are presented, that kind of thing really doesn't exist. The utility spell is designed to represent cantrips, basically, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't really have that with psionics. Having said that, guys, I am never going to make you roll for anything unless it matters, unless there's a consequence for failure. And I will never make you spend strain on using an ability unless you're going to roll. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that's... So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. I think it applies more to kinetics than the other powers because it does have utility uses. Certainly. Certainly. Even in a structured encounter, there's narrative ways you can use these powers that aren't a part of the sheet I've given you. If, if Cherry, you know, decides to say, okay, before we head in, I want to set up a telepathic link between the four of us so we can all talk in our heads. That's totally reasonable. And we'll set the difficulty and the consequences for doing that. Okay. All right. But, but in, terms of, in terms of how you can, in a structured way, affect other characters with these powers, th that's really what the reference sheet is for. Okay. And there's sometimes you guys are going to tell me you want to do certain things narratively. And I might say, okay, you can attempt that, but it's going to be redonkulously difficult because it, normally you need a quiet place to try and do that or you need to be undistracted, you know? But yeah. Another thing too is for the most part, this is kind of the yes and system. If you want to do something crazy, just tell me. You can always try it. Usually, just you're probably not going to succeed. <laughs> That's um, fair. But isn't that just the fun of it? Precisely. All right. So, are are you guys ready to actually start playing this game? Absolutely. All right. Then I have I have to go through my boilerplate with you um, because I've never played with you guys before, so you've never heard it. So this is my boilerplate, um, and this is what I say for one shots at convention games. I am your GM. My job at this table virtual or otherwise, is to make sure that everybody's having fun, all right? Consequently, I also know these rules extremely well, better than many. I will completely disregard them, alter them, or throw them over my shoulder in the interest of providing a more fun experience for everyone at the table. So with that in mind, if I make a call, I ask, please, just go with it. Trust me, I'm not going to give you a bad time. <laughs> yeah, sounds fair to me. Fair enough. Agreement? Agreement all around? Yes? Agreed. Consent. Consent. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So there you have it, folks. It's more or less our little kind of session zero for our little AP one-shot we did here. And you'll hear the first episode of this coming up next week at our normal release time. So you have a couple days for this, and then we'll launch into that. And then uh, we'll continue that every other week until we're done with it. Thanks. Be kind to each other and go play some RPGs. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. for the cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.